What is up everybody? It is JT Sports. I am back to you guys with another video of the JT Sports Podcast. On this episode of the JT Sports Podcast, I'm going to be talking about how good will Jalen Hurts be this upcoming NFL season. What if Jimmy Garoppolo never overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in Super Bowl 54? Who will be NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year? And lastly, Will Phillip Rivers make it into the NFL Hall of Fame? So before I get into it, make sure that you guys follow me on all of my social media platforms. My Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Also, if you guys are listening to this on all of the audio platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, make sure that you guys go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel, which is JT Sports on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure that if you haven't already, that you guys go ahead and give the podcast a five-star review. That really helps the podcast out a lot. Now, Make sure that you guys check out my sponsor, Manscaped. They just recently launched their Lawnmower 4.0. If you are somebody who likes to do a lot of shaving underneath, make sure that you guys go on manscaped.com and use my promo code JT for 20% off your order plus free shipping. Once again, that is promo code JT. You use that, you get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is how good will Jalen Hurts be this upcoming NFL season for the Philadelphia Eagles in 2021. Now, last year, Jalen Hurts got thrusted into the starting quarterback role when Philadelphia decided to bench quarterback Carson Wentz. Now, he completed 52% of his passes. He threw 4,061 passing yards, had six touchdowns to four interceptions while running for 354 rushing yards on 63 rushing attempts, averaging 5.6 yards per carry, and he had three rushing touchdowns. I think Jalen Hurts this year is going to have a really good year for Philadelphia. I know there are a lot of people out there who have a lot of question marks about Philadelphia when it comes to Jalen Hurts being a long-term answer there at quarterback. I feel like Philadelphia's team is better this season than what it was last year because last year you didn't really have any good wide receivers. The offensive line dealt with a lot of injuries. And on top of that, there was a lot of questionable play calling decisions on the behalf of Doug Peterson. So you bring in a new head coach, you got a new staff there. I think Jalen Hurts, with the talent that Philadelphia has this year, he should have a pretty good year. I definitely think that the Eagles should be a really good running team when it comes to being able to run the football because you got Miles Sanders in the backfield. Miles Sanders, if he's able to stay healthy, I think he's a Pro Bowl caliber halfback. So you look at Miles Sanders in the backfield, you look at Jalen Hurts and what he's able to do running the football. If they're able to scheme this offense properly, this offense could surprise a lot of people because you saw how the Ravens utilized Lamar Jackson's running ability when he first came into the league a couple of uh, years ago. I believe the Eagles could do the same thing, and I feel like they could have similar success because their offensive line is not bad. Now, the biggest concern about their offensive line is can they stay healthy? If their offensive line can stay healthy, then this offense could be better than what a lot of you guys expect. A lot of people think Philadelphia has one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I don't find that true. Like, okay, you may not have a lot of talent at the wide receiver position, but offensive line isn't bad when everybody's healthy. You got Jalen Hurts at quarterback, and you got Miles Sanders at halfback. So for Philadelphia, the talent is definitely there compared to what it was 
was last year talent-wise. This was one of the worst offensive teams in the NFL when it came to talent and also production. Now, Jalen Hurts... Okay, he does have to improve his accuracy. He does have to improve his decision making. But you got to remember that he was thrusted pretty much into the starting role like late in the season. Basically, the Eagles were just throwing a Hail Mary pretty much. So they just threw in Jalen Hurts to see what he could do. When Jalen Hurts was in, this offense got a major boost. This offense was better with Jalen Hurts than what it was with Carson Wentz. I don't think any Eagles fan is going to deny that. I mean, Jalen Hurts find out how to get the ball to Jalen Rager, which... Carson Wentz couldn't figure out how to throw the ball to Jalen Rager for the whole entire year, pretty much up until that point when Hurts came in, and Jalen Rager was a first-round pick. You remember, the Eagles drafted Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. So for Jalen Hurts, he was able to get the most out of the weapons that he had available to him on offense so that gives me a lot of confidence in Jalen Hurts going into this year obviously he's going to be in somewhat of a quarterback battle this offseason I don't really know how much of a threat Jamie Newman and Joe Flacco are to Jalen Hurts but I can understand the Philadelphia Eagles wanting to not give anything up to Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts is the kind of guy that he wouldn't want in any way any other way like he did an interview a couple of um, days ago that pretty much said that he doesn't have a problem with being in a quarterback competition this offseason. He wouldn't want it any other way because the, when it's time to pay the bills, rents do you have to go out and produce? And I feel like this is going to make Jalen Hurts a better player. Obviously, we know that he works harder than pretty much anybody else. He is a guy who's one of the first people in, last people out. I love Jalen Hurts. I'm a big fan of Jalen Hurts. And with the addition of rookie wide receiver Devontae Smith, I think that's also going to boost how good this offense is going to be. Because Devontae Smith, if you guys haven't seen my How Good Will the Eagles Offense video be, I said that I feel like Devontae Smith is going to be a future Hall of Famer. I feel like he's going to be the best wide receiver from this past year's wide receiver class. And yes, I do feel like he's going to have a better career than Jamar Chase. And on top of that, this is a guy whose football IQ is off the freaking charts. If you watch Devontae Smith when he was playing for Alabama, he was a player that you didn't look at him and you was like, okay, yeah, this guy is a college wide receiver. No, when you watch Devontae Smith play at Alabama, this was a guy who looked like he was a 10-year NFL veteran. Like, if Devontae Smith ends up being a bust, then I gladly will shave my hair bald. I promise to God, if Devontae Smith is a bust within the next three to four years and he's not producing like how I feel he should, I will shave all of my hair off. Remember to screen record it, save it, whatever you got to do, and we'll come back to this in three to four years. And if Devontae Smith isn't one of the best wide receivers in the game, then I will shave all of my hair off and I will shave these freeform dreads who have took me about two to three years to grow. So that's how much confidence that I have in Devontae Smith being able to be one of the best in the game and one of the best wide receivers to ever play because I'm willing to put my hair on the line. So that's how much confidence I have in Devontae Smith. And Devontae Smith is going to be that great number one option to throw to for Jalen Hurts because last year there really wasn't a lot of consistency at the wide receiver position for Philadelphia. Your two best wide receivers were Travis Fulgham and Greg Ward Jr. who was the 
Houston quarterback a couple of years ago who was converted to a wide receiver. So you got Dallas Goddard there at tight end. Zach Ertz most likely is either going to be released or traded within the next couple of days or weeks whenever that happens. But Philadelphia's offense definitely has more talent this season than what it had last year. And I definitely don't believe that this offense is one of the worst offenses in the NFL from a talent standpoint. Remember, this offensive line dealt with a lot of injuries last season. If everybody plays fully healthy, then this should be an offensive line that ends up being one of the better lines in the NFL. And with Jalen Hurts' ability to run the football and with Miles Sanders in the backfield, I feel like Philadelphia is going to have a rushing attack that they haven't had in a while. Because with Carson Wentz, yeah, Carson Wentz was athletic, but he wasn't the kind of runner that Jalen Hurts is. Jalen Hurts is a different kind of runner. I think he's like, he has his own style of running from the quarterback position. Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray, for example, are elusive runners. They can make you miss in open space, but Jalen Hurts is more of a powerful runner. He's like a running back playing the quarterback position with the way that he sees the runner lanes, his running vision, his ball carrier vision, if that's what people call it. It's just really good. So for Jalen Hurts, with the added ability to be able to run the football at the high level that he's able to, that adds a different dimension to Philadelphia. Philadelphia's offense then you're going to have teams playing up trying to game plan to stop Jalen Hurts rushing ability and on top of that game plan to stop the rushing attack of Philadelphia and that's going to open up play action opportunities to throw the ball over the top which we've seen with Baltimore over the last couple of years on top of that you have Dallas Goddard who should be able to take advantage of that and you have Devontae Smith as well and hopefully Travis Fulgham or Greg Ward Jr. steps up and ends up being that number two or number three wide receiver any one of any one of those guys so for Jalen Hurts I have a lot of confidence in him being able to produce a really good season for Philadelphia this year I don't believe that the Philadelphia Eagles offense is going to be bad this team may not be all that great but with the talent they have offensively this season I think Jalen Hurts has all the tools to put together a really productive 2021 season for Philadelphia Now, moving on to the next topic, Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, what if Jimmy Garoppolo never overthrew Emmanuel Sanders in Super Bowl 54? Now, Jimmy Garoppolo at one point was considered the savior at quarterback for the 49ers. Remember when he initially first got traded from the Patriots to the 49ers back in 2017? And we had to wait a couple of weeks to see Jimmy Garoppolo play. Then when he came in and was the starter for the 49ers, he went 5-0 to close out the season. And everybody was labeling Jimmy Garoppolo the next great quarterback, the savior of San Francisco's franchise. Then he gets injured in 2018. Then he comes back and he leads San Francisco to a 13-3 record. They go to the and it seems like one play has defined Jimmy Garoppolo's career. Now, in the third quarter, it was, well, fourth quarter, it was third down to 10. There was a minute and 33 seconds left on the clock. The 49ers were down 24 to 20. Garoppolo drops back. He has Emmanuel Sanders and he overthrows him. And after that incompletion, That game pretty much sealed the victory for Kansas City. Now, imagine if Jimmy Garoppolo completed that pass to Emmanuel Sanders. San Francisco ends up either scoring the touchdown or they end up in the red zone. And most likely, they probably end up scoring. And 
maybe winning the Super Bowl. Imagine that. Imagine how everybody would view Jimmy Garoppolo if that one play went the right way. Imagine. There were people who out there who were considering Jimmy Garoppolo to be a fringe top 10, top 12 quarterback. And after that play, everybody just makes it seem like the 49ers can't win with Jimmy Garoppolo. And that's crazy because in that Super Bowl, from what I watched, Jimmy Garoppolo outplayed Patrick Mahomes for the first three quarters. Now, Patrick Mahomes balled out in the fourth quarter, but Jimmy Garoppolo outplayed Mahomes for the first three quarters of that game. And if you don't believe me, go back and rewatch that game. There's no way you could tell me that you didn't believe that Garoppolo was the best quarterback on the field for the first couple of quarters all the way to the fourth. Now, the difference is that it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. Mahomes started slow. And he start, and he finished the game strong. Ended up leading Kansas City from behind. They scored 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. San Francisco put a donut on the scoreboard in the fourth quarter. So I understand that's what makes great quarterbacks. It's about what they do in big situations. And we saw what Patrick Mahomes did in the big moment. In the big moment when Patrick Mahomes had to step up, he stepped up and made the plays that he needed to make for Kansas City to take home to Lombardi. When Jimmy Garoppolo was asked to step up and help San Francisco win the Super Bowl, he came up small. That's what defines the great quarterbacks from the good quarterbacks and the good quarterbacks from the average quarterbacks. The best quarterbacks are able to step up in big moments and are able to make the big plays despite not having the greatest of performances. The average quarterbacks, they come up small more times than not in big moments. Similar to like that Prescott. Remember what this whole um, viewpoint was about Tony Romo also. So it seems like the same stigma people have about Tony Romo, people have about Dak Prescott. He comes up small in big moments. So you look at Jimmy Garoppolo. I understand that in that Super Bowl, he came up short. But I still don't find it reasonable to believe that no team can win with Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I understand the 49ers traded up to the third overall selection to draft North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Now, it looks like Jimmy Garoppolo is on his way out. It looks like San Francisco wants to move on from him. And that's understandable because Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, maybe they look at Jimmy Garoppolo and it felt like Jimmy Garoppolo has reached his peak this is a guy who yes when he's on the field he's a solid quarterback but he can't stay healthy so I understand the injury aspect of why the move on from Jimmy Garoppolo but the narrative that people in the media and a bunch of you guys watching this keep saying about Jimmy Garoppolo not being able to win the Super Bowl not being able to be a franchise quarterback I find that hard to believe because this was a guy who went 22 and 8 as a starter in San Francisco remember Kyle Shen there were a lot of people who questioned the hiring of Kyle Shanahan after a year or so and then he gets his guy Jimmy Garoppolo in they end up going 5-0 with Garoppolo at quarterback and all the naysayers are doubted okay so then Jimmy Garoppolo comes back from his injury in 2019 leads into the Super Bowl and now people are trying to say that Jimmy Garoppolo is not good enough to get a team back to the Super Bowl even though he took a team to the Super Bowl in the past I find that hard to believe. You see, it doesn't make a lot of sense. That's like saying you get an A on the math test, you will never be able to get another A on the math test. If you got an A before, why can't you get an A again? If Jimmy Garoppolo was able to take the 49ers to the Super Bowl once, why can't he take the 49ers or another team to the Super Bowl? I find that hard to believe that Jimmy Garoppolo's 
career has been defined by this one big moment that he came up short. Because that's what it seems like. And you can say it's because of injuries, not being able to stay healthy. I can understand that. But that's not what the narrative is when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo. It seems like Jimmy Garoppolo, his whole entire legacy, his whole entire pro football career has been defined by him overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders. If Jimmy Garoppolo overthrow, overthrows Emmanuel Sanders, okay, then... Everybody looks at him as the reason why San Francisco lost the Super Bowl. But if he completes that pass and the 49ers win that game, he probably wins Super Bowl MVP. He's probably regarded as a top 10 quarterback. And the 49ers wouldn't have been drafting Trey Lance. It's crazy how one moment in your life can define people's perception about you. And it's crazy, but that's just the God honest truth. I remember one time I got in trouble in ninth grade and all of my teachers labeled me a troublemaker i got in trouble one time got labeled a troublemaker let me tell you guys a story so back in ninth grade a couple of years back this was 2016 my freshman year of high school i had this biology honors class now i'm not going to say my teacher's name but we're going to call him mr paul so mr paul around december you normally get midterms, or they call it a mock EOC in high school terms. So what the mock EOC is, they basically want to see how much have you learned up to that point of the school year. Now, I asked him, hey, what's the mock EOC going to count for my grade? He said, no, nah, it's just what's to see what you learned. And I said, okay, so why should I go hard on the test that doesn't really matter? I'm not going to get a grade on it, and it's not going to help me anyway. So why should I take it serious? So you know what I did? I Christmas treated it because what was the point of me wasting my time trying to go hard on the test that didn't matter essentially? So I ended up having the lowest score out of anybody in that test, well, on the test, from all his biology honors classes, he looked at me, he said, JT, you're not going to pass this class. And I said, what you mean? Like, I didn't take it serious. Like, there were people, there was this one girl, and I'm not trying to be a snitch or anything, but it was this one girl who was over there in the corner who literally had flashcards. This girl had flashcards, and she was cheating the whole entire time. But meanwhile, he doesn't catch her cheating, but... I'm the guy who's going to fail this class and not going to pass because I chose not to take a mock EOC series, a test that didn't matter, a test that wasn't going to affect my grade, a test that didn't affect whether I pass or fail the class, a test that was just pretty much made to see how much I knew. Like, how can one person be defined by one test? How can one person be defined by one play? So he told me I wasn't going to pass. You know, I told him, I said, listen, if I pass the test, you got to let me come up during the summer, buy a pizza, and we got to listen to whatever music I want to because at the time I was playing football. And during summer, the football players would go around and help out teachers who were moving into their classrooms or moving to different classrooms and set up. So I told him when I pass this test and when I pass the OC, I want to order a pizza and I want to blast whatever music. And he said, okay. But I don't think you're going to pass. So a couple of months later, spring break rolls around. Now, the mock EOC for every standard that you fell. So there are like a couple of standards. So for every standard that you were in the red or yellow on and you didn't have mastery, you had to get a spring, back, a spring break packet for it. So since I Christmas tree the test, I had about 20 spring break packets. 
And guess what? I didn't do any one of them because I told him, I said, listen, I know, I know the material. I just didn't care because it didn't matter. So you think I'm going to go ahead and do these 20 spring braid packets, then you're sadly mistaken. So he said, all right, you said that you're going to pass the OC. You're not proving me that you're going to pass the OC. So I told him to watch this. So I didn't do any of the spring break packets. I had a zero in the class at this point. Then the OC comes around. Now, normally, I don't know about you guys, but normally high school teachers, if you pass the OC, they change your grade to like a B or an A. So pretty much he said that if you pass the OC, everybody gets a B or an A or I'll change your grade for every quarter. So I take the OC and guess what? I end up having one of the highest scores in the state on it. So as soon as I got my biology honors EOC score and I saw that I ranked top 5% in the state of Florida for my biology EOC, I emailed them. I emailed them. I said, hey, man, when can I come up and um, get my pizza and we can listen to the kind of music I want to listen to? I told you I was going to pass. He said, whenever. Um, it was like August or something. So he said, when I got to the classroom there in August and I was helping him set up his room, he was like, you know, I always believed in you. I was just doing that to push, you know, you know how all those teachers be like, oh, I always believe in you. Man, stop all that cap, man. You know, you ain't believe in me. But I just find it funny how basically my whole entire time in that biology class up to the point before I took my EOC was defined by me Christmas train a mock EOC that didn't matter I find it funny that Jimmy Garoppolo's whole entire career as a 49ers is defined by him having one play that went wrong I'm pretty sure Jimmy Garoppolo still has nightmares about overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders and I bet Jimmy Garoppolo would give up all everything right now to have a chance to redo that play because one moment has essentially defined Jimmy Garoppolo's career Jimmy Garoppolo went from a top 12 quarterback to after overthrowing Emmanuel Sanders to being one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL and all of a sudden teams can't win with him it's really funny how the world works. It's really funny how you have to make the most out of every opportunity. You really do. In life, you have to make the most out of every opportunity you get because if you mess up one time, that's going to define you. Nobody talks about Jimmy Garoppolo being 22-8 and eight as a starter for San Francisco. Nobody talks about what Jimmy Garoppolo has done. He's been fully healthy. Everybody just talks about what Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't done, what he hasn't accomplished. And what he hasn't accomplished was being able to win the Super Bowl for San Francisco. It's funny because even if Jimmy Garoppolo still got injured after winning the Super Bowl, the 49ers wouldn't have replaced him. People wouldn't be considering Jimmy Garoppolo one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. People would just be like, well, he can't stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. It's crazy the arguments that we will make for people off of what they do in big moments. It really is. Because think about how different people would look at Jimmy Garoppolo. Perception is everything. Okay, how people perceive you matters. Don't let nobody tells you, oh, don't it doesn't matter what other people think. Okay, I understand that. But in the light, but in the real world, sometimes it does matter what people think because your perception or how people perceive you can determine if you get a good job or not, if you get into a good college. How other people perceive you and how other people's perception of you can have a big impact 
on how your life goes. For example, my hair. So a lot of people could look at my hair and they just be like, oh, you're just a typical Florida boy. And especially when I have my hair glocked up. Like I have so many people in the comment section that say, man, you have a lot of potential. You have a lot of talent doing this. But if you ever want to get to the next level, you know, maybe get hired by ESPN or get a million subscribers, you got to do something with that hair. That's, that's just people's perception about me. And they're not lying. If I ever wanted to get hired by FS1, ESPN, or another major sports company, I probably would have to take my globs out or I probably have to do something with my dress. That's why most of the time you guys see me with my hair in a ponytail now because there have been sponsorships that I've been probably missing on because of how I look, because of how people perceive me. Perception in life does matter. A lot of people can say it doesn't matter what other people think about you. Yeah, that's somewhat true when it comes to friends and whatnot. But when it comes to the business world, perception is everything. So for Jimmy Garoppolo, him missing Emmanuel Sanders on that third and 10 play for minute 33 down 24 to 20 in Super Bowl 54, 54 to the Kansas City Chiefs has pretty much made people have the impression that he can't win. He can't win a big game. He can't make the big throws. And it's crazy because remember that year he went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees? He went toe-to-toe with Drew Brees. He was pretty good in the playoffs, even though San Francisco ran the ball a lot. But he was a good cog in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Now, all of a sudden, people think that Jimmy Garoppolo just is trash and he needs to be replaced. It's crazy how one defining moment in your life can change everybody's perspective about you. Do you guys remember what people were saying about Jimmy Garoppolo before the Super Bowl? People were considering Jimmy Garoppolo a top 12 quarterback. Some people were considering him a top 10 quarterback. And then he overthrows Emmanuel Sanders, and all of a sudden, you can't win with Jimmy Garoppolo. You got to replace him. He gets injured. That doesn't help his cause neither. If he wins Super Bowl MVP and the 49ers win that Super Bowl, he never overthrew Emmanuel Sanders, he still would be the unquestionable starting QB in San Francisco and San Francisco probably would have never drafted Trey Lance. You know what San Francisco probably would have done? They probably would have traded for Teddy Bridgewater to Gardner Minshew to be their backup in case Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured. So it's crazy how one play has defined Jimmy Garoppolo's career and everybody just thinks that Jimmy Garoppolo is just this bad quarterback that nobody can win with which I find false. Jimmy Garoppolo, if you put the team around him, he can win. He was a winner in San Francisco. He was supposed to be the saving grace for the 49ers. And he overthrows Emmanuel, and he overthrows Emmanuel Sanders, and look what happens. But if he completes that pass, everybody looks at Jimmy Garoppolo completely different. One play has defined Jimmy Garoppolo's career up to this point. So, I want to talk about the next segment. Who will win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year in 2021? Before I get into it, if you guys are still listening to this point, make sure that you guys leave a five-star review on the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, make sure that you guys follow me on my social media pages. My Instagram and Twitter is both JTSports underscore. I repeat, my Instagram and Twitter is both JT Sports underscore. Make sure that you guys check out my sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped recently just launched their Lawnmower 4.0. If you are a guy who does a lot of grooming underneath, make sure that you guys go on manscaped.com and use my promo code JT for 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. Once again, make sure that you guys go on manscaped.com, use promo code JT for 20% off 
and free shipping on your Manscaped purchase. Who will win NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year and 2021? Now, I think it's going to come down to three players, in my opinion. You got Najee Harris for Pittsburgh, Devontae Smith, the wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles, and Trevor Lawrence. Now, I think that Trevor Lawrence probably will be everybody's favorite to win Offensive Rookie of the Year because the majority of times, the NFL MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, or Rookie of the Year normally goes to a quarterback. But I think this year may be a different story. Because you look at Najee Harris, and Najee Harris is going to be a really critical piece to the Steelers' offense this year. He's going to determine if the Steelers are going to be able to make it to the playoffs or not. Then you got Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, like I mentioned a couple of segments ago, I feel was the best wide receiver coming out. I feel he was better than Jamar Chase. He's going to an Eagles team that desperately needs a number one wide receiver because they don't have anybody. Philadelphia has a lot of quantity, but they do not have a lot of quality at the wide receiver position. So you got Devontae Smith there. They need him to step up and have a Justin Jefferson light rookie year. Then you got Trevor Lawrence, who is going to Jacksonville, which Trevor Lawrence, I feel, probably has the second best situation for a quarterback that is going to be starting this season as a rookie. Now, I say second because Trey Lance could be in the mix to start day one for the 49ers when they end up opening their season against the Detroit Lions. But as of right now, Trevor Lawrence has the second best situation because I think Trey Lance probably will start. Now, when you look at Trevor Lawrence, he has a really good group of wide receivers. You got LaVisca Chenault, you got DJ Chark, who is a former pro bowler. You have Marvin Jones, who was really good when he played for the Lions. Your off the line isn't bad, but it's not great. It's in the middle of the pack. You got James Robinson, Travis Etienne, and you got Urban Myers, your head coach. So I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have all of the pieces around Trevor Lawrence for him to definitely make a run at Offensive Rookie of the Year. I just think it's going to come down to what Najee Harris and Devontae Smith do because Justin Jefferson... A lot of people felt like he should have won off the rookie of the year. I feel like he still should have went to Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert had the best rookie season ever for a rookie quarterback from a statistical standpoint. Now, Devontae Smith, I feel like can have that kind of breakout year that Justin Jefferson had as a rookie back in 2020. Devontae Smith, I'm going to say it again, is going to be one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game of football. I strongly believe it. This guy plays the game like a 10-year vet. The way he runs routes, the way he attacks defensive backs, the way that he changes his pace that he's running the routes, like everything this guy does shows you that this guy is a real football player. And he may not be the biggest, he may not be the fastest, but this guy is a true football player. Doesn't matter what he does and shorts in the tank top. Only thing that should matter is what he does when he has that helmet, that chin strap buckled up, and the shoulder pads on. That's what defines what a football player is. It's not about what you run. It's not about how much you weigh. All that matters is what you do on the field. And I believe that Devontae Smith is going to ball off for Philadelphia this year. Him and Jalen Hurts already have good chemistry. They already have good camaraderie because they spent some time together when they were at the University of Alabama before Jalen Hurts transferred to Oklahoma. 
So you look at Devontae Smith, he's going to have a big role and big shoes to fill in that Philadelphia offense because they desperately need some help and they desperately need a playmaker at wide receiver. Then you got Najee Harris, like I mentioned earlier. The Steelers making it to the playoffs, I feel is heavily going to rely on the success that Najee Harris has. Now, Najee Harris is my pick to win off the rookie of the year in 2021. The reason why is because Najee Harris is the closest thing I've seen to Le'Veon Bell ever. He has great vision. He's patient. He waits for blocks to develop. He's also really good catching the ball out of the backfield. Not only is he good catching the ball out of the backfield, but you also can line him out wide as a wide receiver in certain formations. And he can also do damage there. Like, there is nothing that Najee Harris can't do. He also has a similar running style as Le'Veon Bell. He's not the most elusive guy in the open field, but he's really powerful. He has good footwork. He's good in pass protection. He is pretty much a do-it-all back. Everything that you need from the running back position, Najee Harris can do. Now, you look at the Pittsburgh Steelers last year, they had one of the worst rushing attacks in the NFL. James Conner was injury prone. He couldn't stay healthy. You had Anthony McFarlane. He was just a home run threat. It's either he ran for a 60-yard touchdown or he had a one or two-yard run. You got Benny Snell, who is more of the gold line power back there. So for Anthony McFarlane, he without a doubt is going to be the workhorse back in Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh desperately needs him to have a big year as a rookie because Big Ben is pretty much going on 40 years old. He's on his last leg. And we saw Ben Roethlisberger carry the Pittsburgh Steelers offense last year, offense that had a wide receiving core that had over 40 drops and seven drop touchdown passes. And Ben Roethlisberger at the age of 39 had to carry the Steelers offense. And that's not what you need out of a quarterback of his age. You don't see Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, or Drew Brees doing that last year. Big Ben led the NFL in pass attempts. He was throwing the ball like over 40 times a game. That's something that you don't want out of a quarterback that is aging, a quarterback that a lot of people feel is on the decline. So for the Steelers, if they're going to make it back to the playoffs this season, they can't be one-dimensional. They have to be able to run that football. And on top of that, you have concerns about the off the line, even though I think the off the line is being a little bit, you know, overly criticized. The off the line is definitely not as bad as what a lot of people make it out to be. There were a lot of injuries last year in that off the line. There were a couple of starters who got injured on the Steelers off the line last year that nobody talked about. So for Pittsburgh, it's definitely going to be really important that Najee Harris has a big rookie season. And the success he has in 2021 is going to define if the Steelers make it to the playoffs or not. Now look at Trevor Lawrence. I understand Trevor Lawrence could have a really good year. But I just feel like Najee Harris is going to have a really big impact. And on top of that, if you have an incredible rookie season, like what I think Najee Harris can have as a rookie at that half-back position, and I just don't see how you could just give the give the award to a quarterback. Like, there have been running backs who have won Rookie of the Year in the past. They have to have sensational years. I feel like if Najee Harris ends up being able to have a season when he runs for over a 1,000 rushing yards, probably has like eight or nine touchdowns. He also has a really good year, also in the passing game. 
I think there's no way you can just simply pass up on giving Najee Harris off the rookie of the year. I feel like he's going to have a big impact for the Steelers offense. And I'm trying to be careful with how I word this because I don't want to make it seem like Trevor Lawrence isn't going to have a big impact for Jacksonville, which he is because he is a quarterback position. The quarterback is the most important position in football because other than center, they're the only skill position that touches the ball every single play. So I'm not trying to say that Trevor Lawrence won't have a bigger impact than Najee Harris I just feel like Najee Harris is going to be a really critical part and the Pittsburgh Steelers making it to the playoffs or not and even though I am really high on Jacksonville I don't feel Jacksonville is quite there yet as being a team that you can pick in pencil in as a lock-in for the playoffs so for Najee Harris if Pittsburgh makes it to the playoffs I think it's largely going to be on the shoulders of Najee Harris which is why I'm picking Najee Harris to win off of the rookie of the year because he's going to get a lot of work he's going to be asked to do a lot not only on the ground but in the passing game as well like he's going to be big Ben safety blanket at times like I think Najee Harris is going to have an incredible rookie season and he may have one of the best rookie seasons that we ever seen from a rookie running back in NFL history so Najee Harris is my pick to win off of the rookie year and I can understand that people choose Trevor Lawrence I can understand that people choose another quarterback but I definitely think that Najee Harris is going to be rookie of the year this year and I don't think I'm being I know you guys see that Steelers gear in the background hanging up on the wall, but I'm not being biased. I strongly believe that Najee Harris is going to win NFL off the rookie of the year this season because I feel like he's going to have a ginormous impact because how well he performs this year is going to determine if the Steelers are going to be a playoff team or not. The last segment that I want to talk about is will Phillip Rivers make the NFL Hall of Fame? Now, I'm not making this, this segment to say if I feel Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer or not, I'm pretty much trying to give you guys a logical explanation of will the NFL Hall of Fame allow him in. I'm not making this video to say my personal opinion if Phillip Rivers is a Hall of Famer or not. I'm making this video to try to kind of predict if the NFL Hall of Fame were induct Phillip Rivers into Canton. Now, when you look at Phillip Rivers, he definitely has the stats to be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Like, I definitely believe that there is no possible way that Phillip Rivers should not be in Canton, Ohio, and within the next decade or so. Now, will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? That remains to be decided. But when you look at Phillip Rivers, he pretty much is top five in every statistical category for a quarterback. He's fifth all-time in passing yards with 63,440. He's fifth all-time in passing touchdowns with 421. He's fifth all-time in pass completions. He's an eight-time Pro Bowler. He won 2013 Comeback Player of the Year. Like, Phillip Rivers is definitely going to get into the Hall of Fame. Okay, now do I believe that Philip Rivers deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, I do, but that's not what this video is about. This video is titled, Will Philip Rivers Make It Into the Hall of Fame? Not, does Philip Rivers deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? But even then, you still, I still would make the argument that he deserves to be in. But Philip Rivers has been one of the best at his position ever since he became the starting quarterback for the LA Chargers. Now, the NFL Hall of Fame was built to memorialize and commemorate some of the best players to ever play the game at their position. You look at Phillip Rivers, you look at what he did during his time with the Chargers, he was essentially one of the best in the game. 
Now, he wasn't a top three quarterback all the time or top five, but at worst, he was always in the top 10 discussion. Now, you can say, well, JT, he didn't get the Chargers to the playoffs all that much. He didn't have a lot of postseason success. I can understand that. But at the same time, the Hall of Fame isn't about memorializing you know, what somebody did in the playoffs. It's not about memorializing what everybody did in regular season. It's about memorializing the guys who have had some of the greatest careers in NFL history. When you look at Phillip Rivers' overall body of work, it stacks up against some of the best to ever play. Like, the argument for Eli Manning not getting into the Hall of Fame is, well, he wasn't a great regular season quarterback. But he elevated his play in the playoffs. And he does have a pretty good overall body of work. Okay, let's not make it seem like Eli Manning was a scrub. But Phillip Rivers has an easier Hall of Fame case than Eli Manning. Because he was top 10 at his position for pretty much his whole entire career, winding down to his final playing years. And on top of that, this is a guy who was an eight-time Pro Bowler. He won Comeback Player of the Year. Like, Phillip Rivers has had a lot of success. He has a lot of accolades. He has the, you know... The records that stack up, you know, he's the best quarterback in Chargers history. Like, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever played a game. Now, some people are going to say, well, JT, if you have to think about somebody being a Hall of Famer, then they shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. I don't think that's true. Because sometimes you do have guys who have complex arguments for why they shouldn't or should not be in the Hall of Fame. Not every guy you look at, you're just going to give the eyeball and be like, oh, yeah, he should be a Hall of Famer. There's going to be some players that end up being debated. Like the NFL Hall of Fame is really hard to get into. The NBA seems to let everybody in the Hall of Fame for some reason. But for the NFL, it's really hard. Like there are a lot of good players who you can make a case who should be in the Hall of Fame who probably won't make it. But you look at Phillip Rivers, he's definitely not in that discussion. He's definitely not in the same vote as Eli Manning. Phillip Rivers has been one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. Now, is he in the same class as a Ben Roethlisberger or whatnot? Maybe not. But he definitely deserves a gold jacket. Because I will find it hard to tell the story of the NFL without Phillip Rivers. I just don't think you can. Like, Phillip Rivers, everybody thinks about the trash talking what he, you know, all of the kids that he has and whatnot. But when this guy was on the field, he balled out. And you can't hold Phillip Rivers not making it to the playoffs every single year against him because the Chargers were a really inconsistent franchise. Like, yeah, he had some seasons where he had a really good team around him, but he also had a lot of seasons, more times than not, where he had instability at the coaching staff, instability in the front office, and didn't have a good team around him. Phillip Rivers was sacked over 400 times in his career. He is one of the most sad quarterbacks in NFL history. So you look at Phillip Rivers, he had instability. Like, if Phillip Rivers went to a better organization, a more stable organization, we probably would be making the argument that he may be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever played in a game, top, top five. So for Phillip Rivers, I feel like the only reason why some people don't believe Phillip Rivers will get into the Hall of Fame is because they don't think that he has had the postseason success to be a Hall of Famer. And you don't have to have great postseason success to be a Hall of Famer. Like I said, the Hall of Fame is meant to memorialize some of the greatest to ever play. 
It's meant to memorialize the guys who have had good careers overall. Not about what you've done in the postseason. Not about what you've done in the regular season. You have to have somewhat of a mixture of both. And although Phillip Rivers hasn't done great in the postseason, it's not like he doesn't have a running record in the postseason at all. He's won some games in the postseason. He just hasn't been to the Super Bowl. And he doesn't have a Super Bowl ring. Doesn't mean he's not a Hall of Famer. Dan Marino never won the Super Bowl. He's in the Hall of Fame. So when you look at Phillip Rivers... I definitely believe that he will make it into the NFL Hall of Fame. And if you don't believe Phillip Rivers will get into the NFL Hall of Fame, then I don't know. Maybe you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Maybe you need to reevaluate how you look at football. Because making it to the playoffs year in and year out doesn't define if a guy's a Hall of Famer. A Hall of Famer is a guy who has put in forth the work that he should be memorialized in the shrine with some of the greatest to ever play. And I definitely feel like Phillip Rivers deserves to be in the Hall of Fame with guys like Joe Montana, Brett Favre, because he was one of the best at his position. That's what the NFL was about. That's one of the criteria to get into the NFL. How did you stack up against your peers? How did you stack up against your cohorts? How did you stack up against the other guys at your position? Where were you ranked against some of the other guys at your position? And when you look at Phillip Rivers throughout his career, he's always been, at least when he was in his prime, one of the best. He's always been at least top five or no worse than top 10 for pretty much his whole entire career. So if I see a guy who's been a top 10 quarterback for pretty much his whole entire career, I think that goes to be a good indicator that he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And you know, his accolades and what he's done on the field speaks for itself. So that's it for this episode of the JT Sports Podcast. Make sure that you guys go ahead and leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from, go ahead, leave a good review. Share this with your friends, family, co-workers, parents on your social media platforms. Also, make sure that if you guys are listening to this on audio platforms, that you guys go ahead, like the video on my YouTube channel and subscribe to my channel because I upload NFL videos, NFL content daily. And I appreciate you guys for listening and watching. You guys take care. I'll see you guys next time.